On episode number 45 of the To Be Encouraged podcast, Bishop Julius C. Triple discusses his new book, 10 Reasons I Am a Methodist. You are welcome to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Bishop Trimble is on a mission to encourage you with the love of Jesus Christ so you can rise to your highest potential. On To Be Encouraged, Bishop Trimble speaks to a discouraged world with a good word on the pandemic, racism, the environment, human sexuality, and the state of the church, with a focus on centering your life on the love of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a more needed time for an encouraging word to our world? This is your time to rise to your greatest potential and to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Hello, good people. Welcome to To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. This is the podcast where we look to offer an encouraging word to a discouraged world. I'm your co-host, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. In this episode, episode number 45, we talk about Bishop Tremble's uh, new book, 10 Reasons I'm a Methodist. We all know that we live in a time of some uh, really uh, challenging times in our United Methodist Church with disaffiliation and various uh, uh, camps being set up and churches and individual clergy and others making decisions to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church and go their own way, Global Methodist Church and others. But I think it's important that we know that there are many, 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 many people who love the United Methodist Church and want to remain a part of that, of the Wesleyan tradition and of the uh, the parts of the United Methodist Church that they love and are looking for some resources to help in that process. And I believe this book as a part of that process, and and Bishop Tribble really unpacks his own faith story while giving us 10 particular reasons while he is a United Methodist. But I think in that process, he certainly gives us the foundation of why many of us, including myself, choose to, to remain uh, United Methodist. And I just want to give this, I think this is a great gift to the church, and I hope that you'll listen to this uh, interview that uh, that Bishop Trimble gives with me, uh, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, and listen to it carefully and take it to heart. And if you can use it as a resource for your, yourself or for your church, I think it's a great way to do that. We'll put connections of how you can get a hold of the book in our show notes at tobeencouraged.com. Right now, let's get into our conversation with Bishop Julius C. Trimble about his book, 10 Reasons I'm a Methodist. Bishop Triple, welcome to our podcast conversation today. Thank you, Dr. Brad. I've been looking forward to this uh, new edition of the podcast, a new recording. Uh, and I've got a question for everybody in our listening audience and those who will uh, partake, partake in this podcast uh, recording. How is it with your soul? Uh, that's a, a question that's very much uh, a part of who we are as Wesleyan and as United Methodists. Uh, but I ask that question of of uh, those who will hear this 
across the globe. And, and on this day, how is it with your soul? And I'll come back and, and respond to that as we have further conversation. Well, let's just uh, do this about that for right now. If people want to respond to you about how is it with your soul, is it, is it okay for people to email you, for instance, to tell you about uh, how is it with the, their soul or to contact you through the website here? You can always go through our website, tobeencouraged.com. But uh, can they email you, for instance? Yeah, absolutely. If folks would like to respond how it is with your soul, I, I would point you to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And the Message Bible from Eugene Peterson is helpful. But you can contact me at bishop at inumc.org or you, uh, through our To Be Encouraged website. Uh, and I'd be glad to respond to you and continue to be in prayer for and with you. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. This is Jesus speaking. Mm. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Mm. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Read it in various translations. And this was the message uh, reading of that verse. Hmm. Well, I'll just uh, thank you for sharing that verse of scripture. It's kind of our theme to get started. I'll share with you in my soul. I'm, I'm in a contemplative point after receiving some, some news in my life and uh, health wise, it makes me think. And some things make you think and contemplate about uh, what's next. And uh, I appreciate your good, your good word there about that. And for us to, you know, we need to ask us, especially as Wesleyan and most of us who listen to this podcast, our clergy, or devoted lay people, or people who uh, have a passion for the church, and we just need to be reminded of that question: How is it with your soul? And and I think maybe perhaps you asked, you've been asking yourself that question a little bit here recently, Bishop, because we're going to talk about a book that you wrote that has to do with, I believe, you have to help me out here, some mm -hmm. of your thoughts about uh, your thoughts about the United Methodist Church and what is it all about how is it with our relationship with with the church we're we're talking about your brand new book which is called 10 reasons i'm a methodist and uh we'll talk in our podcast here about how people can get a hold of that book but uh let me just ask you bishop kind of reflecting with this question how is it with your soul how is it that you came to want to write or find a need to write uh, write this book 10 reasons i'm a methodist well actually this goes goes back a few years ago uh, bef before our last general conference when there began to be some inkling around church separation over um, the, the long-standing dispute around human sexuality and authority of scripture. Uh, and I, I wrote initially an article based on a song by Al Green, the Reverend Al Green, yes. an R&B singer who turned preacher uh, and the song song one of his most popular songs let's stay together and that article was basically a, a, an argument or a testimony if you will that uh, we need not agree about all things we, as Wesley with might, might, might say even today we need not think alike to love alike mm. and it's my contention that uh, uh, 
and I've always served churches that there was diversity, some which I knew about, some which I didn't know about, whether it was uh, personal experience or sexual orientation or, or, or uh, economic status. There always was diversity in the congregations I served, theological leanings, uh, conservative, uh, what people might call progressive, and people who just were learning to love Jesus. So uh, I, I, I was inspired to write this book because some people uh, have made an argument that this is a time of, of disaffiliation and maybe also a time of reformation. And I wanted to basically publish a testimony. Actually, I probably have 100 reasons I'm a United yes. Methodist, yes. but I only put 10 reasons because I really wanted to prompt people to begin to think for themselves. As my wife would probably say, what do you believe and why do you believe it? And I, I, yeah. I was born a, born a Methodist. My parents were Methodist. And I know a lot of the people who are in our church today uh, were not necessarily born into the Methodist uh, family or the Wesleyan family, but have found themselves or found a local congregation where they've, where they've learned to love Jesus and love their neighbor and love their fellow parishioners and find a place to do mission and ministry. So I listed uh, 10 reasons, uh, but I've been really working on now kind of an addendum to the book of Brad about more reasons that I am a Methodist. All right. Well, uh, we'll look and, 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 you know, for example, the, the beauty of grace yes. uh, and understanding grace. Yeah. Uh, for example, United Methodist Committee on Relief, mm. the work that historically done as it relates to work uh, responding to disasters. So I wrote the book, 10 Reasons I'm a Methodist, to be a testimony to inspire and encourage persons who are in the United Methodist Church uh, that want to continue to be United Methodists and are, are, are not dependent upon a church where everybody believes, uh, you know, the same, all the same things. But we all do believe Jesus Christ is Lord. And as one pastor said, Brad, Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything else is just a conversation. <laughs> Well, that's uh, yeah, that that kind of says it right there, and that that's awesome. And I know it's several of the points that you make in this book have to do with the the primacy of Jesus and the primacy of grace. And you know, we do live in a a time where you know words like disaffiliation or splintering or di division or diversion and the ugly words like racism and sexism mm -hmm. all come into play here and part of our part of our public uh, conversation. And things like siloing and that, all those kind of things. But you're you're talking here about um, and one of the things I love what you said early on in your book. You know, a little more, and this kind of goes against the grain just a little bit here. <laughs> a little more Jesus, a little less Wesley. More space for grace and diversity without compromising uh, connection. And I, I love that uh, turn of a phrase there. We, you know, some people have used Wesley as a weapon. Some people use Jesus as a weapon, don't they? And we, I think, mm -hmm. we need to get. Uh, Back to not pointing fingers, but I love the outgreed mm -hmm. analogy. You know, you and I are about the same age, and I'm an old disc jockey from those mm -hmm. uh, days. Let's stay together, and the, the, mm -hmm. that's awesome. But let's talk about some of the things you talk about in the book here. The, let's talk about, for instance, prayer. You really lift up prayer a couple times in your in your book here about why you're a Methodist prayer. Let's talk about mm -hmm. that for a minute. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think that's something that's really getting ready to take off in the Indiana Conference, United Methodist Church, a whole whole prayer movement 
and our annual conference theme for 2023 is praying our way forward. Yes. Uh, so we're really going to be focusing on prayer and what it means to do prayer walks and what it means to, to embrace prayer as, as, not, as a spiritual exercise. I say actually it's more than a spiritual exercise. It's really to breathe our faith. You know, yes. prayer, I think when I think about when I sing, someone says when you sing, you're praying twice, I think. Uh, I think that might be the metaphor people use. But sure. I, I think, you know, we, 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 prayer is not just asking God to do something. Prayer is making ourselves available uh, uh, to be in the presence of the holy, the presence of, of God. Uh, not asking God to do something for us, but, to do for, but for God often to do something with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going to be praying for you, Brad. Actually, you're already on my prayer list. You're even in the book. If you read close, I I, I saw that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know if it was me or not, because there's other yeah. Brads in the world. That's but, right. Uh, I, I hope every Brad in the world sees that. <laughs> but yeah. I, do, I do appreciate that very, yeah. very much. But, and, but you know, when we make us make us a commitment to prayer, it, it's, it, it connects us in, in kind of a, 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 forgive me, but but a sacramental way. Yes. I would say in a, in a very sacramental way. So so every every Sunday morning, I grew up in a house where my parents, you know, prayer wasn't optional. On Sunday mornings, we had prayer and we prayed on our knees. Hmm. Uh, there was a wow. reading of scripture. There was prayer. Everybody got on their knees. Uh, you said a you said a Bible verse or a prayer. And then we closed in the Lord's Prayer. Then we went to breakfast. Hmm. So there was no breakfast on wow. Sunday mornings. Until we had did, we had done that done that exercise, and my mother uh, had a stroke a year and a half ago. Uh, she's a hundred years old now, but my goodness, before, up until the point she had her stroke, if you were visiting her in her home and you were there on a Sunday morning, you still participated in morning prayer before breakfast. My sister lived 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 downstairs, and my one of my younger brothers lived with my mom. And- and I understand. Uh, but, I understand you got some biscuits too. Is that right? Is that part? Oh of the yeah, yeah. That yeah. was part of it. Yeah, yeah. There was homemade biscuits uh, what, uh, on Sunday mornings as well. And one of the things I want to tell you, I love about your book here is that you interjected your life experiences. It was not just uh, kind of a point by point treatise about you know these mm-hmm. are wise, but you interjected your life experience in your church life, your family life, uh, mm-hmm. and your experiences with. Uh, your spiritual life, and I love. And, that. I, and I say prayer is is our common love language. And when I think about people who have chosen the churches that have chosen to disaffiliate, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting because people who are staying United Methodist and people are leaving, we both believe in the power of prayer. Yes. So, so I, you know, I, my, my, one of my prayers is that people have actually been really felt led by the Holy Spirit that this is something that they must do in order to experience the fullness of their, their, their spiritual and religious life. Uh, to disaffiliate, or as I've done, or many others have done, to said, I want to stay United Methodist. Uh, the church doesn't have to be perfect for me to understand that the church has been primary in my understanding and experience and growing bread in prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, it, had, it wasn't just my parents, uh, and it certainly wasn't on me because there was a period of time when I was in college that I kind of strayed away from straight from church. But, you know, I never strayed away from prayer. You know, I prayed a lot of 911 right. prayers. You know, <laughs> I got you. If you just get me out of this yeah. situation, D- I promise me. to go back to help church. Me. Dig me out, Lord of the whole. There's, there's, <laughs> there, 
there's there's no uh, atheist during finals week, for instance, right? That's you know? right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, that that's awesome. Well, I was touched by a couple of the other chapters in your book about kind of your uh, about kind of a historical perspective, the one about your Alabama beginnings, and also the the one about a couple here about. Uh, the, about African University, about those connections mm-hmm. there, I thought were important about, you know, kind of the roots of your connection, our historical connection, and then where we're going, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Can you say a word about the importance to people who want to stay Methodist about somehow being connected to our heritage personally or as a church? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one thing I think we we often don't speak enough about is how much the church has cared for us and for the society and for the communities in which they've been planted. Mm. So many of our churches have really been very, very uh, inspirational and uh, important to the history of the communities and towns where we live in. Yes. Many of them have been part of the progression of, of society becoming more inclusive, uh, not to say that that we don't have things that we ought to be asking God forgiveness for. And many of many of our church, for example, in my case, my parents were uh, African Methodist Episcopal Zion in, in Alabama. That, that church that they belonged to actually traced its history back to slavery. And the church that they, re- the building that was started, this is before my parents, long before my parents were born, but, but was a was really a result of the Methodist Church in Montgomery and segregation, uh, and segregation, but there still was a sense that the Methodist message of holiness, spiritual holiness, of being followers of Christ, and of a more brighter future, permeated their understanding of Methodism, uh, and so that they stuck with them. And so when they moved north. Uh, my, my my mother married my dad, who lived in Chicago. They went to the closest Methodist church they could I, uh, find. It okay. was before we were United Methodists. Right, right. And because right. the liturgy was the same, uh, the, the hymns were, uh, you know, the rich hymns were, were the same. My hope is built on nothing less. Uh, 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 I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. You know, the church, one foundation. These rich hymns... Uh, uh, were were part of their heritage, and the notion and and the and the understanding that you would have a pastor who preached from the Bible, but also spoke to the contemporary world and realities that we were faced with. This has been part of the long history and heritage of Methodism and United Methodism, and I think that's one of the reasons I know my parents stayed close, stayed connected to the Methodist Church, and because. It also paid attention to the families that had children, and I was yeah. I was one of six children, so yeah. they wanted to find a church that that did value value children and had Sunday school and mm-hmm. camp opportunities for children. Well, you mentioned camp there, and I'd like to talk to you for a second about how you mentioned a couple of things having to do with the nature of church itself, which is why you remain a United Methodist and ask. And this book is in support of people who want to remain in, as United Methodist Church Camp and the people in the pew. So I think they kind of go together. <laughs> they kind of go together in the sense of one's about faith, uh, 
you know, about uh, coming to faith and opportunities, I believe, and the others mm-hmm. about discipleship and training and community. Mm-hmm. Can you say a word about those areas, things like camp and, you know, laity? About yeah, you can't, you can't get me to say anything bad about camp. Uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of, of camp, and I've heard, I've heard all the data around people who go to church, Christian church camp, and United Methodist camps in particular, in my case, uh, often that is their first encounter with, with making a decision for Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And people who come to Christ at camp are more likely to remain Christians for the rest of their lives. Uh, I had a chance to go to, I can connect these two together. I, I wish there were more stories written about lay people in the church, in the Christian church in general, yes. and the United Methodist. Because so many lay people, I, I could write a, write a, a 500-page, two-volume series on just lay people that have impacted me, some that I've, I've forgotten hmm. uh, along the way. Uh, and, and you know, Brad, we all were lay, lay people. Absolutely. Yeah, preachers don't drop from trees. So I can, my father died in 1969 of lung cancer on the, on the operating table. Hmm. And so my mother was left with six children She's a school teacher. Uh, and right at the time, that same year my dad died, was also, a, my, I think, my second opportunity to go to camp. Uh, yeah, that was my second opportunity to go to camp. I've been, actually, I've been to camp three times. But the first couple of times we went to camp, I went to camp. Uh, I also had a brother who went to camp at the same time. I went to camp. My parents really, my mom did, did, couldn't afford to really spend the money out of our limited budget. We weren't poor, but we sure weren't living yeah. high on the hog, so well, to speak. Single mom with six kids, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But but you know what? The church said, don't worry. If you sign up, we'll take care of it. Yeah. And the Methodist Methodist women and the Methodist men provided scholarships. And I never will forget that that I don't think we had to have, we didn't have to pay anything. So that was, that was the community coming together to serve that was your the congregation. Yeah. The, the late congreg- people in the community. And you came together and then you, you share about that. You also talk about a Mr. Russell and about how the embodiment of being mm-hmm. a good neighbor. And oh, I, yeah. boy, that is just so important to what we're about as a church, isn't it? You know, so say, absolutely. Some, say some more about that. Yeah. Bill Russell was a lay person uh, this is after I became a pastor, my first full-time appointment. And he joined the church and said, uh, after a few, he said, Pastor, I don't want to belong on an administrative board. I don't want to be on a trustee board, but I will work with the food pantry. And we had a kind of fledgling little food pantry with some, a couple of shelves and some canned goods. And when when Bill Russell got a hold of that, he was he and some other volunteers, he began to recruit volunteers that became a pretty significant food pantry in the city of North Chicago, uh, which was also located near uh, two military bases. And it had a, uh, it had a a section of the city that was very much impoverished. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that food pantry took off because of Bill Russell and Bill Russell also took, took me under his wings and decided that, that I needed to learn how to go fishing. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, I never said no when he invited me to go fishing. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. But, That's awesome. And we always caught some fish. And it's like he took um, your son, your son, or sons yeah, as well. Yeah, he took yeah. my son. He took my oldest son fishing, and I remember that he came back bragging because I'd only got some little hand, hand <laughs> fish, 
and he yeah. caught some. Yeah, he caught some something a little bit bigger. But uh, Bill Russell was the kind of person uh, you know nobody writes about. You know, there's a famous Bill Russell. Yeah. Oh, who yeah. Just recently passed away. Right. Uh, who had 10, 10, 10 NBA championship yeah. rings. The basketball but player, this Bill, right? This yeah. Bill Russell was the consummate layperson. He volunteered, I think, every Tuesday or Thursday it was, to go to a nursing home to, to, to give basically pedicures. He said, I was just going to cut the toenails right. of seniors what that, a, would, that would never have anybody come see them. What, and a, I said, what a gift yeah. of humility and service. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. isn't that that's kind of like a Jesus foot washing thing played out, isn't it? In a very real way. And that's what I love about that story. And then you tell some other great stories in your book that have to do with how the church has lived out. You talk about the shooting pool episode, about the pastor and the gang leaders. And I'd like you to kind of talk about that for a second in terms of the evangelism or the community development that, that takes place when the church is is working well. Then we're going to talk about Africa University and some of the things regarding that in terms of a, more of a extended. Sure. sure. I, 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 the church that, that shaped and formed me primarily was Christ Methodist Church, which became Christ United Methodist Church on the south side of Chicago. It's now since merged bread with several other churches. It's a small, still, still, there's still a remnant uh, who were, who were part of that church, but it's since merged with two other churches uh, and has moved its location. But when I was there as a, as a youth and then as a, a young adult and came back to serve as youth minister, it was a church very much connected with the community. Uh, so it was a, it was a urban, urban inner city community, but it had a lot of activities, including, you know, family, family nights and, right. and activity nights. And uh, I, we had a United Methodist Youth Fellowship, you know, MYF Methodist Youth Fellowship. Right, right. And uh, I learned to shoot pool and play ping pong for the most part at my at my church. I, and my and our pastor was a pretty good I, pool I player. did too. That was my part of my education, pool and ping pong, yeah. Yeah. And my pastor who had been in the been in the army, uh, you know, was pretty pretty good pool than, than pool. But uh, but but that was that was something. So we I always had the vision, the experience of church being fun as a as a young person. Yeah. Well, you uh, you and, described you know, a couple things: youth and uh, uh, church camp, and other things like that. It had to do with fun and fellowship, and how Jesus didn't have to be boring. And I right. think that's a that's a certain part of my experience. Why can't church be more like church camp and youth group and things like that? And you experienced that in your own life. And I think you see that in how it relates to, to others. And then uh, I'd like to tell you, know, the, also I think that was cool that you mentioned about how that uh, pastor also had some connection to the gangs in the community. And right. and that that's a, I see that, you know, developing the community, you know, not just in the congregation, but in the community. Right. And, right. And that, you know, that became somewhat a controversy, unfortunately. And I, if I, I still remember that, and I talked to his, his, he has, he has daughters and sons, but uh, one of his daughters is a pastor now, hmm. uh, um, not in United Methodist Church, but she's doing a good job of pastoring. And she's a she's a pastor who connects with the community. That's that's in her DNA. And, I, and our pastor had had marched with Martin Luther King Jr. and he was very much a person who believed you were. He was the pastor of the membership, but also the community. And some people felt like, you know, they weren't getting enough attention. 
uh, because he was also engaged yeah. in, you know, helping the gang members and, you know, yeah. trying to keep in the neighborhood. And, you know, some people felt like his yeah. prophet, prophetic witness was taken away from his pastoral responsibilities. I think I kind of uh, beg, but, that kind of that kind of thing. Behavior kind of begs the question: What would Jesus do? I got a feeling. I got a feeling Jesus <laughs> would be out there with the gangs. But also, leads me, Bishop, to think about in terms of what would Jesus do. You know, we talk about that kind of evangelism in the community, and then let's talk about Africa University. You mentioned that as a prominent part of why you're a Methodist. And I'm particularly interested in your your take of the ultimate empowerment story, because sometimes we think about missions or missional type things as something we do for others, but this was an empowerment story. So can you go there for a minute? Sure. I'm going to make a segue from the end of the previous chapter. Please, please uh, do. Which which points to this. And and this is something I learned uh, while I was at Christ Church. And that was a quote, a quote you've used yourself too, Brad, that from Martin Luther King Jr., life's most persistent, and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Yeah, what are you doing so I got others? involved with Africa University, really in, in response to that question. Uh, uh, you know, what are, what are we doing for others? United Methodists have long been committed to higher education and education in general and, and improving access to education. So Africa University is, is a world-class institution of higher education started by the United Methodist Church, hmm. by action of General Conference, by action of African bishops and others who were saying, if you want to help Africa, help produce more leaders, increase the access to higher education for students on the continent of Africa. And that's exactly what the United Methodist Church did. And since 1992, when the first students started at Africa University, uh, in Omotari, Zimbabwe, there've been over 10,000 plus, I think nearly 11,000, according to Dr. Sally, graduates of that university, Africa University, mm-hmm. representing does, uh, about 28, I think 28 to 30 different countries on the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. It's the only university, Brad, I've ever heard of that has a 96% graduation rate. Yeah. I mean, here, I, that's a, that's almost that's, unheard. That's of. that's unreal and and just to make an unreal, just a just incredible God thing. It's a God thing, isn't it? It's a mm-hmm. more, it's a God project, as I've heard it called. And and that's a point where I think I want to say this about our whole conversation here. That is an example of the connection working well, isn't it? Of the, oh, it's the, absolutely. It's, it's okay. absolutely no one no no one congregation, even a mega church could have done what has been done at Africa University. It took, it took the, the collective so, commitment of, of, of Christians, United Methodists in Africa and the United States and across the globe to support this institution, which is, which is a, a United Methodist-related institution that is very unapologetic about its connection to the United Methodist Church. And so the kind of the point I want to make about that with you is that even in spite of disaffiliation and dis, you know dispersion and so I'd, some people have critically called the untied Methodist Church, uh, things like that, uh, connection is still working. And say a word about that. How is the connection still working? You know, we've got the example of Africa University here, but how's it working? Well, I think it's working when we uh, think about uh, 
how is it with your soul? It's connect, it's working because we still care about every congregation and every pastor and every lay person who's part of the United Methodist Church. Uh, we make provisions to stay connected with them. Uh, this past year, we did uh, be encouraged grants for our pastors who were able to access and do something to uh, contribute to their own self-care after this prolonged period of, of pandemic, the COVID pandemic. Uh, and I think, you know, the ways in which we still do ministry like United Methodist Committee on Relief, responding to disasters, and the ways in which we are operating uh, in cooperation with other churches in our communities. Hmm. For example, in Indiana, the United Methodist Church is part of the social safety net for the state of Indiana. So all yeah. of, well, many of our churches, some which have disaffiliated now, have been places, locations for critical food pantries to address food insecurity. Many of our churches collaborate with other churches to provide those kinds of services. We we have a big prayer initiative that connects both congregations now and clergy who are participating in uh, uh, the big prayer initiative. I always say that the connection could be stronger. Yes. Uh, uh, and so it's it's not that it can't not that it can't be made stronger. But when I think about my opportunities that I've had to serve in a variety of places, my presence in Indiana is a is an example of the connection of church. Yes, yes. Anything, Bishop, you want to say about things like evangelism or about, uh, you know, justice issues, how you mentioned those in your book as well as being important uh, to uh, why you're a Methodist? Well, Jesus still does home visits. And, I, and, and, and a lot of times he does home visits because we bring the love of Jesus with us whenever we come home or wherever we are in somebody else's home. Uh, so I often say that uh, we, you know, as Paul says in Romans, you know, be not ashamed of the gospel for it, it is salvation and, and not just for the Jews and not just for the Greeks, but for all who would call on the name of the Lord. So evangelism, you know, there's a there's a saying Wesley said, we have nothing to do but to save souls. Yes. Uh, so so as I said in the beginning, you know, Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to share that. And let people know that we care about them, but we know that life with Christ Jesus, with Jesus Christ, is better than life without. Uh, and uh, tomorrow can be better than today, and we know that that can happen if we're willing uh, to be the people God calls us to be. In mm -hmm. the Methodist Church, we are a voice of justice as well, and not every you know faith group is. I think we have to say that. Uh, in our United Methodist tradition, this is a good thing that we have been a part of a justice heritage here. Absolutely. Social holiness for, for Wesley meant one must literally engage the poor. One must literally put themselves in the place of those who are most vulnerable and marginalized, and not just as observers, uh, but as, you know, true Samaritans and true uh, 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 brothers and sisters who are willing to walk alongside those persons who are in need of justice. Mm. I, I think not only does Jesus weep when there are people who are innocently killed, whether they are by police or whether they're in their own communities uh, or whether it's in war, uh, 
But uh, Jesus also weeps when he sees that people are without persons who are willing to address issues of justice and willing to walk alongside people. As Micah 6, 8 says, what does the Lord require of you? Hmm. But to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Wow. Great, great. Some great uh, sharing here, Bishop, from your book here about, from your heart about what it means to you and why, uh, 10 reasons I'm a United Methodist. And uh, I think it's a great resource uh, for people uh, to do want to stay Methodist and have, you know, I, I see more and more of that happening. People are saying, okay, I'm, I really want to stay, but I need, you know, this helps give some resources for that. So, is anything you could first of all? Can you tell us about how people can get the book if they want it, and then conclude our conversation with uh, just a word of encouragement? Because I think that's what this book is to that person mm-hmm. out there who maybe that pastor or that lay, lay lay person who may have to be seeking out their own reasons mm-hmm. to be a Methodist. Well, uh, if people go to a, a bishop at inumc dot org, uh, we can probably get you a copy. I have limited editions left now; it's in its going through its second printing. And so we'll make it available uh, easier after you do after that. We still have some copies available sure. uh, in our annual conference. So if you go on the web on the website here, or either go to bishopatinumc.org and request a copy, or if you uh, if you also choose to participate in supporting the African University Scholarship Initiative, we are under doing now, then you can get a free copy uh, free copy that way. Uh, you can get that information on the on the uh, inumc.org website, yeah. African University Scholarship. Very good. Word of encouragement to a person who needs some encouragement in this area. Okay. Well, hey, the truth is that when it's cloudy, the sun is always shining somewhere on God's earth. The truth is when children are skipping across the globe, God is smiling. The truth is the gospel is expanding. The Christian church is actually growing and God is still calling men and women to follow. I am United Methodist because I was baptized in the church. I went to camp in this church. I'm United Methodist because I don't need to be great to experience God's grace. I'm United Methodist because I don't need all people to agree on all things. I'm United Methodist not because I have, have quarrels with other religions or churches because I don't. For me and millions of others, the United Methodist Church represents the best of all Protestant possibilities. I'm United Methodist, and I'm a Christian, most importantly, because I fell in love with Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I discovered myself in this church. Be encouraged. God bless you. Stay strong. And thank you for that great words of of encouragement there. You've been listening to the two B. Encourage podcast with Bishop Julius C. Trumple, the podcast where we look to offer an encouraging word for a discouraged world. Thanks so much to Bishop Julius C. Trumple for sharing with us uh, today here on To Be Encouraged about his thoughts about the, his his new book, Ten Reasons I Am a I'm a Methodist. I took it to heart, and I hope that you will uh, as well as a resource to use. One of the things that uh, Bishop and I did not lift up in our conversation here today that I want to, uh, in our interview part of our conversation, that I want to lift up here in these concluding uh, remarks is a uh, a writing that he did, in, which is in his book, and he's printed it and published it in other places. 
And I think it's a great uh, a great thing for me to share at this moment and just read it ver- verbatim. It's from the end of his book. And if you get his book, I just really – if you get his book, get it for no other reason than this because it is his, his, uh, his reading, his statement. I am a United Methodist even though – I quote beginning on page 56 of the book. I am a United Methodist even though every day is not sunny. Even though I have heard some really lousy sermons and I was preaching. Even though I have been accused of singing hymns too loud. Even though – I think John Wesley was cool, but not nearly as important as Jesus. Even though little children often skip up to children's time and don't follow script. Even though some church greeters seem surprised when visitors don't arrive to church on time. Even though some churches suggest it would be better if they didn't receive a female pastor. Even though when churches hesitate to accept diversity, We block our own blessings, even though some prefer to quote the Bible in part rather than read it in full. Even though other churches have cool names like Full Gospel, World Center, Bible, Christian, and Community. Even though some of our churches fail to update their websites. Even though our bishops wear purple shirts but don't have colorful skull caps or miters. Even though our offering trays are not deep enough and rarely do we dance when receiving the offertory. Even though we think the gospel is not expanding and the church is not growing because our local church is struggling. Even though all churches fail to remember to celebrate the six United Methodist Sundays with designated offerings. Even though we are known for being methodical but see a need to embrace new ideas. Messy church. Even though we have a long tradition but desire to embrace fresh expressions. Even though we used to start one church every day and now some churches have no new professions of faith. Even though we are not perfect and currently characterized as a church at a crossroads over human sexuality, covenant, and seeking a way forward. The truth is, even when cloudy, the sun is always shining somewhere on God's earth. The truth is, when children are skipping, God is smiling. The truth is, the gospel is expanding. The Christian church is growing, and God is still calling. I am United Methodist because I was baptized in this church and went to camp in this church. I am United Methodist because I don't need to be great to experience grace. I am United Methodist because I don't need all people to agree on all things. I am United Methodist not because I have quarrels with other religions or churches. For me and millions of others, the United Methodist Church represents the best of all Protestant possibilities. I am United Methodist because I fell in love with Jesus as Lord and Savior, discovered myself in the United Methodist Church. Be encouraged, Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Thank you for those good words, Bishop Tremble. And we look forward to you joining us again next time here on the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Trouble. Until then, I, until then, I am your co-host, Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, encouraging you to continue to always do all the good that you can. Consider yourself encouraged and appreciated for listening to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Now, 
Please share the blessing and encourage others in your life to listen, to be encouraged. You can do just that by pointing your people to the website tobeencouraged.com. That's T-O-B-E-E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D.com. Or connect through Apple Podcast, where you can follow, rate, and review To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. When you do that, you're doing your part to bring a good word to a discouraged world. Remember to listen next week to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. And never forget, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it.